This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans, for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to the Everton Fan Podcast on the Royal Blue, Acast and iTunes channel. You're listening to The View from the Gladys Street and I'm your host, Ian Kroll. Never in all my years have I seen Everton beat Manchester United by four clear goals and I'm 32 years old. I'm reliably informed the last time Everton beat Manchester United with a similar scoreline. It was October 1984 and that was a 5-0 win. I don't care what anyone says or how United are perceived. These days, Sunday's result was special. And joining me on this week's show to drool over what is most definitely the performance of the season, we have two regulars and a podcast first-timer. My two regulars include John Howard. Hello, John. Good evening. And Connor O'Neill. Hello, Connor. Evening, Ian. And today's first-timer is Royal Blue listener and lifelong Everton fan, Zach Dunstan. Hello, Zach. Hello. Just a reminder to our listeners out there, please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Also get in touch via Twitter to tell us your thoughts and opinions on the show, as well as your thoughts and opinions on Everton. Um, Connor, it was an Easter Sunday to remember, wasn't it? Absolutely. It was, I hear you alluded to earlier, it was performance of the season by a country mile. We were fantastic from start to finish and it was a real kind of glimpse of what could potentially be something special under Marco Silva if we can play to that sort of intensity on a weekly basis and you know a, a lot of the talk uh, you know about six seven weeks ago was you know the fact that we'd stopped carving out results to Goodison against the top six sides but the last four home games we've took 10 points from Liverpool Arsenal Chelsea and Man United and conceded zero goals which is quite the turnaround when you consider we were before Christmas and it's just a pity that it's all coming a little bit too late again, isn't it? Because that's the only real criticism that you can have from Sunday's performances. Yeah. Where was that? Probably December to February a little bit because if we had to perform like that in them stages, we'd be a lot more comfortable. We, I'm not saying we'd be in the top six or breaking the top four, but we'd be a lot more comfortable. We'd probably have seventh as our own position now. So that's the only real criticism you can see. But going back to Sunday, truly magnificent performance from start to finish. Um, Zach, we usually ask the podcast first timers just to give the you know the, their opinions and thoughts of, of the season so far, and, and and Marco Silva and you know Connor's just alluded to there. Where was that performance that against Man United in December? So what have you what have you made of Everton so far this season? And obviously you're gonna have to include Marco Silva in that because it is his first season. Yeah, um, as as a whole, the season's been very similar to the last few seasons. Obviously, we've we've not seen any drastic improvements. Um, the back end of last season, obviously, with the whole the whole Allardyce affair, obviously a lot of people, um, obviously that wasn't an enjoyable time to be an Everton fan. Um, but for me, I feel as though the second half of the season, now the club's starting to get a bit of an identity under Marco Silva. Um, that's something that's been lacking since sort of the early Moyes days when we were the, the battling underdogs, um, the team who always liked to be on the, the back foot and upsetting the big teams but Marco Silva now he starts seems to be sort of giving us a bit of um, yeah a bit of a style a bit of a swagger about us um, we've got the high press quick counter attacks seems to be utilising the wingers a lot Bernard and Richarlison are really coming into their own um, yeah hopefully it can continue we can get the right the right kind of players in um, to suit that style and yeah hopefully we can kick on and start challenging for that top six like realistically we should we should be looking to challenge the top six not looking for seventh we, we should be aiming top six and then moving into the top four if the right recruitment's there in place okay um john i mean effectively we did to united on sunday what we really should have done to arsenal shouldn't we yeah 
I, I think, you know, we always say that, don't we? That Everton's performances were getting slowly. Someone, you always say that someone's geo whacking. Well, that's someone happened to be Man United. You know, I think the performance against Arsenal was very, very good. I think the big difference was that we scored goals. And it's so nice to see that we, I think against Arsenal, you know, we were at it. We were dominant and all that. But I think Man United, there was, there was a real ruthlessness about our play. Mm. You know, Sigurdsson seemingly loves playing against Man United as much as Duncan Ferguson did. Uh, Richarlison, again, is making a mockery of Paul Mason. I think Dean is in great form. I thought... Garner Gay. We suddenly look like, I don't know, a team and the pressure's off, which is maybe something that Brand needs to address because I think when the pressure's on, a young team, a first season, I think we struggled a little bit. Now I think the, almost like the pressure's off, so to speak, and we're not going to go down. And I think it's almost like, well, you know what? No one thinks we're going to win, so let's go out and win anyway. I think if he can master that, then I think there's some real good times ahead for us. And you just mentioned just a guy there. Has he gone up another level since... Since January? To me, he's a living embodiment. You look at someone like Paul Pogba, who's got all the ability in the world, and basically he's just down tools now. Teddy out of the pram. I don't want to play for this team anymore. I just think he's clearly wanted his move, and who can blame him? And you know what? He's he's cracked on. He's got on with it. And whether he, he's, you know what, he's committed to the Everton cause, which I believe he is, or he's looking for his big move away, he's done everything in the right way. And if he does get his move to PSG... I think he goes with a lot of Evertonians' blessings. I really do. I, yeah, so I do. I agree. I think he's. I think he has knocked it up a notch. And you can't just say it was Gomez because he had a different partner. And I thought he was still very, very good. I think he got booked early on. I thought he was very disciplined after that. Mm. You know, he wasn't reckless. Even but, on the ball, his possession. And, you know. he, he seems to have gone, as you say, he's got another confidence. He, he, you know, he's not just a destroyer anymore. He's got a little bit more about his game. He seems to have added them three or four bars and... Long may that continue. Who's man of the match then, Zach? Like, can we pick one single player? Who? It's very hard to do that after a performance like that, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's obviously it's always going to be difficult when you've got so many players playing so well. Sigurdsson was the one that a lot of people were saying. Um, I do you know what? I was really impressed with Zuma again this weekend. Yeah. He started to turn into a man mountain. He's mm. he's very reminiscent of of Distan when he was in his in his prime for us. Um, but he just seems to have that little bit more class about him. Um, when he brings the ball out of defence. He's the kind of player, he's giving it to Gay, he's giving it to Gomez and starting attacks from nothing. Um, yeah, so it'd be one of those two, Sigurdsson or Zuma for me. Um, I'll go outside the box and I'll go for Zuma. Fair enough. Do you, would you agree with that, Connor? I, I prefer to reward attacking talent, so I'd probably, After have, the to, I'd have to go with <laughs> probably Sigurdsson. Yeah. I think, I think like John said there, there's something about when he plays against Manchester United, he really, he really comes alive and he scores a really good goal, sets another one up with a, a, a delicate sort of passing between Lindelof's legs. Um, and I think his corner as well for the, the goal was, yeah. was a really good. And he scores again off a, a corner, people forget. I was just he thinking. Did, De Gea was scrambling across when yeah. he ends up sort of yeah. side footing it off in a bit of an unorthodox way. Um, Would that have been allowed though? If it had gone straight in, yeah, he can score direct from corner. He scored direct yeah. from corner. Yeah. I wasn't sure the reason. Yeah, it's only a throw, and you can't score direct from. Right, okay. So, which he nearly caught the air out. Yeah, to be fair. and goal line technology definitely would have proved that, wouldn't it? Yeah. If it had gone in or not. So, so it was. I think it was just a, a, a real stellar performance, and, and again, you know, questions will be asked about him because where were them performances in the, the dark months where he, he wants them to pull us over the line? And I think what John said there about it's almost as if when the pressure's off, we come alive, but when the pressure's on. We, we sort of crumble a little bit I mean it was a bit of a free at United wasn't it after the yeah. Fulham game and I think you know 
I mean, we spoke last week about, you know, it depends on what Everton team turned up. But you, you do kind of wonder now, well, how are we going to cope this week at Palace? Because yeah. the pressure's back on. No, seven's yeah. back in our own hands. Yeah. I know, well, I know there's midweek games where we could not be, but we, we put ourselves back in a, mm. with a fighting chance of seventh. How are we going to cope with Palace and then Burnley? It's, yeah. it's one of them now where, again, questions start coming to be raised. And in some respects, it's probably a little bit unfortunate because it's such a good win. Should probably just be applauded and lauded up, but because we're Evertonians, we tend to be look at look at other other, other things, don't we? Than just yeah. applauding and patting people on the back. I mean, United you know, yeah. just that bad or whatever, and just that good. I mean, we we talked over the past couple of weeks about Everton not getting the credit they deserve. So surely Everton deserve some credit. Well, say yeah, some credit, I, all I, the credit. I, absolutely. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it was still Manchester United. It was we still put four goals past them. I think to win any you win any Premier League game by four goals and others is an impressive achievement in, in this day and age I mean even like so Huddersfield Fulham the real poor poorer sides I know Fulham beats us but the real poorer sides of the league mm. very rarely have they been battered this season you you know someone will probably prove me wrong on this but even when you look at like Liverpool play Fulham the other week just, Liverpool just edged it 2-1 City only beat them 2-0 there's, there's very rare now in the Premier League that you see absolute hardens mm. so I, I think to put four passionate in the way we did was don't I mean don't get me wrong, that was the worst United team I've ever seen play Goodison in my lifetime by a country mile. Mm. They were ten times worse than one Moyes brought, or was it five five years ago, six years ago, five years ago. Yeah. Was well, it? they just got off the back of winning the league anyway, hadn't yeah, they? So that it was ten times worse than one he brought to Goodison. Um, so yeah, I think we don't we didn't get the credit we deserved. I don't think from the national media coverage certainly, but. That's always been a long-standing bugbear of many Evertonians is that we don't get the credit we deserve off the national media and the, the broadcasters. So, in some respects, it's, there's nothing new there. Yeah. That's why you should just listen to this show then, isn't it? And read the echo, yeah. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Um, John, I mean, four goals, four brilliant goals. So let's yeah, give let's give some attention to detail to each individual goal. Um, the first one, Richarlison. Uh, Graeme Souness described that as dangerous play. What do you make of that? Well, I, I don't know if anyone follows me on, on Twitter, but uh, I, I think it's, what's the phrase I've used? Pot, kettle and black. Yeah. One of the most dangerous lunatics today player that he was. <laughs> Let's be honest with you, he, he went out to end careers and he goes on about dangerous play. Gentlemen, I, I wonder how, if you look at Richarlison's eyes, they never leave the ball. He's not going to jump up and head it from that angle. He volleys it in. It does pain me a little bit. I know we certainly have a laugh at it, but had it have been, I don't know, Salah, Hazard... It's a goal of the season contender, mm. Richarlison, and he deserves to be arrested. <laughs> you know, I mean, dangerous play. He put his head down to edit. The ball's there, and it's there to be struck. It's not as if he's looked at the lad's head and thought, right, that's coming off. He's, he scored a brilliant goal. I mean, it wasn't close to his head. It I mean, it, obviously it was, but it wasn't. But he, he, put, he put his head in in that play. You know, we've all played football, missing that to that standard, but it, that's what happens. He puts his head down to head it, gets nowhere near. Richarlison's foot's there long before... Dangerous See, I don't actually think he even attempted to head the ball, Dallas. I think he actually checked out a, a little more bit. More of a gesture, yeah, just yeah. yeah. I think I actually think if he would have went with his head fully committed, he might have got a foul because he would have showed a little bit more than what mm. he did. He just kind of probably summed up United's play in, in the passive nature of his attempt to block the ball. He just kind of half arsedly put his head there, but without yeah, any real yeah. intention of actually going to win the ball. and I think Sunesh has had a red tint of glasses on, didn't he? As, as usual. As it was a, a crazy statement. It was crazy. He, to be fair, you, you 
sound like you're surprised, Dean. I mean, he's he just, he's past master. I, I was a little bit, to be honest. Really? I, I think he's one of the better was. ones, if I'm being honest. See, I, 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 I think he's all over the shop. I think he comes out with stuff and and, and he, he's almost like, well, no, Graham, then he'll stop and think and go, know that you're right and, and carry on anyway. Mm. I, I don't know. I just, I just think he's a little bit off the beaten track, to be honest with you. And he certainly, I don't know, he's got, maybe, obviously, ex-Liverpool. There's obviously an issue with Everton there, but I just, I don't know, Zach, what you I just don't see dangerous play. Um I d no, I, I can I can see why why it's been brought up. I, obviously I don't think it was dangerous play in any way, shape or form. He's gone for the ball, he's not just it. some of these overhead kicks you see people they'll just throw themselves in the air and hope to connect with something, yeah. whereas he's gone completely for the ball. But the f- the first thing I did think when I saw it was you have that split second where you think, is this gonna get ruled out? It's the old waiting for the offside, waiting yeah, yeah. for the whistle. But yeah, for me, for me, it was never, never. It just looked like it was a real technically good goal. No, I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just like, just out of nowhere, really. He wasn't yeah. expecting an like, overhead bicycle kick from it. I mean, the second goal, Zach, I, it, it was funny because when we broke, just a guy like brought the ball out and a great bit of play it was from bringing the house and he, he passed it to Sigurdsson. And I got dead annoyed in that split second for Sigurdsson for slowing the play down. Like, I was like... Ah, oh, like what, what are you doing that for? Next minute, he just shoots and it's in the back of the net. I was just thinking, what do I know? Like, <laughs> yeah, when <laughs> I genuinely was, I genuinely was annoyed. I thought, was it at that point you realised why you were sitting in the Gladys Street and not on Goodison, not on actually playing on the Hallowed Tear? That's what, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. Yeah, exactly what it was. But yeah, when 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 he came out with the ball and he he started to like you said slow slow down and take take stock and when he's come inside, the amount of time Sigurdsson this season has took that big stride and he's just lined himself up yeah, yeah. and he usually tries to obviously bend one to that far corner nine out of ten times and it at first it almost looked like he'd miss it it um and it took me again took me a few seconds to even realize it had hit the back of the net until you heard the crowd go up because mm. it did just look like he'd scuffed it but then obviously the replay showed that he's one of the cleanest strikes of the season yeah, yeah. um yeah it's fantastic goal and like you said it looks like he's slowing the play down, but he he is he is a class above Sigurdsson on his day. He's one of the most technically gifted players, I th- for me I've ever seen in an Everton shirt. Technically, he's super. He's an architect, isn't he? Oh, he's he can out see of this things world that times, you know, yeah. other, other players don't see. You know, and that's the thing. I like that architect. Mm, he is, isn't he? You know, he's got he's got a vision. I mean, his, his ball for Walcott, Walcott's goal. You know, he just when he wants to, he runs the game. Hmm. You know what I mean, and, and I, I think a little bit he's, he's being let down by the fact that he's never probably had a, a natural number nine forward to sort of play. Yeah. play whereas you know he's, mm. he, you know, you look at his first year at the club, it was catastrophic from start to finish almost. Yeah, it was a bit shambolic, wasn't it? Yeah. And he kind of was playing on the left, playing on the right. Yeah. He'd get a goal in the centre. We didn't really have a centre forward. We just had a lot of midfielders. Well, Demi, Demi, had, Demi enjoyed the Sam Allardyce rain where he probably spent most of the enjoyed, game enjoyed you say enjoyed oh I was going to say <laughs> enjoyed <laughs> enjoyed fight for a minute there. <laughs> enjoyed where he probably watched the ball go over his head more, yeah. more often than not um, and again this year you know he's probably paid the price of not having a natural number yeah. nine to hit you know Zeng Tossin God loves a tryer but he's yeah. just not good enough no. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's getting better but he's probably still a little bit off being a number nine mm. so you do hope that you know if he does get a number nine, like he has a uh, Swansea with Fernando Lorente, yeah, where they 
they really seem to click and the amount of times where Sigurdsson crossed or created for Lorente he finished was was I think they hit both hit double figures that yeah. season. So the hope is that we can get a number nine in the summer who he can potentially work off. We'll see him get better and better. Well, I mean, we had debates and, you know, we've been doubting whether Sigurdsson can even play as a number 10. I mean, mm. we've had, we've said, should he be played more as a quarterback role where it's it's deeper? And to the point where that wasn't working, it was like, well, put him on the bench because he's just yeah. not fitting into the play. So it's, is it Dominic Carver-Lewin, do you think? And the, you know, I think the, a little bit. The balance now that we've got between um, Bernard on the left and Charles yeah, on the right. Yeah, I think the, the front fours kind of fell fell into place a little bit. I think the, the, the work Craig Carver Lewin gives the likes of Sigurdsson, Bernard Charleston really helps. And I think the fact that we've we've kind of had two wingers who play consistently now for a run of games, they've got understands with the full back. There's a pattern the pattern to play emerging. And it's it's all kinds of falling in place whereas like we alluded to earlier, it's there's been times this year where it's been a mess. You know, there's, there's no other way to look at it. It's been a mess. You know, you knew there's been times where we'll get to an hour and Theo Walcott will come off and Luckman will come on. Luckman will be okay for 10, 15 minutes after half an hour. You'll call for him to get a start the week. He said he got a start and then he'd be hooked just after that time because he, he was in, he was ineffective. And for so long of the season, that was a, a familiar theme to, to our games. And it's no surprise really that our upturning form has come and we've had to settle a settle from four including Sigurdsson and now the hope is, is that we can build on it keep it together and build on it and go again next year with the addition of a number nine in my opinion well my frustration turned to joy for the second goal but the third goal uh, John Luca Dean like just brilliant one <laughs> I don't really know what else to say like superlatives to you, say to yeah, be honest you could run out of words to say but he, the guy's got everything and I know I'd probably say at the moment certainly the two best performing left backs are playing on Merseyside and no silver a lot was made of his comments about him I think the Liverpool lads Dunbar is a good good player but Dean's so technically gifted and out there Well has he proved he's the best left back in the league? I think he probably has and I think not only that I think people you know people will say stats can and sort of cloud the issues so if you look at his stats and what he does you know and also as well I have to think full credit to DCL, by the way, I think Calvert-Lewin's done really well and I think he's almost taken a, a selfless role. But I think the emergence of Bernard as, or Bernard has really improved Everton. And if you look at what Bernard is doing, he's got that behind him. And it's almost like, dare I say, a bit of Baines and Pienaar. Mm. So I think the, not only has he been brilliant, he never seems to get done by the winger. He's kind of bringing the best out of Bernard. And, and at last, Everton look as though they've got a left side as potent as the aforementioned too. So it's all, it's starting to be a bit like a jigsaw. It's starting to click together. And I just think with a few more additions, if we can keep the momentum going, it's, it's a big if, but I certainly think the nucleus of something's there. Um, Zach, the fourth goal finished off by Walcott. I mean, he, he did his best to mess it up, didn't he, with that I, first touch? That's Phil Walcott yeah. likes to do. <laughs> um, but, you know, fair play, he scored it and it was a very, very neat finish, um, which stopped off, you know, 4-0. Um yeah, no. it was a great. It was yeah, it was a great finish. Walcott, for me at the back end of last season, he seemed to look like he was recapturing a bit of form. His touch came back. He had a bit of confidence. He was beating men. I remember I made the trip to Huddersfield away, and obviously that's renowned for being quite a, a dull performance. But Walcott, he was the one player who was getting the ball, and he when he picked it up, his first thought was, "I'm going to beat a man, and I'm going to get." And I thought, you know what? If he can carry this into next season, he's going to look like a, you know, I mean, he could he could be a real asset to us. And he he 
just seems bereft of confidence. I can't help but feel in the back of his head he, he thinks he's a number nine. Mm-hmm. And now that he's he's losing a little bit of that electric pace, like when he was younger, he, no one would catch him. Mm. He seems to be losing a tiny bit of that pace now. And I, I think in his head he's already got himself... I think he's already planning to be more of a number nine and he just doesn't seem to want to beat a man anymore. But it was a cracking, cracking finish. Like you said, it poor first touch. In all in all realism, it was a it was a poor first touch that made it a lot more difficult than it had to for mm. him. But yeah, fair play to him. I'd like to see him kick on. I really would. I I think he's he's never out in the media complaining. He's he seems like a, a genuine, decent guy who just wants to get on with his football and he just seems to be lacking confidence, but hopefully that's the start of something. He can get a couple more chances before the end of the season and maybe get another goal or two. Do you, do you agree with that, Connor? I mean, do you think, obviously, the end? he's, he's definitely going to be here till the end of the season anyway, but do you think he's going to be part of the plans next season? No. No? No, I think he'll be going. I think they'll try and get rid of him. I think the, the big thing is his wages. I think the likes of Brands and Silver look at his age, his wages, and I think there's, there's no real value in him. He's, he's not really done enough. This so far this season, I agree with Zach. Though I think last year when he first came in, I was amazed. I was really impressed with him. I remember it was his debut against Leicester where he scored twice, and you were thinking, Whoa, you know, it's like watching the World Cup of, yeah. of yeah. the original World Cup of when he was that sixteen-year-old who went on the England World Cup squad because yeah. it was, oh, well, he's going to be around for the next, you know, fifteen years, and yeah. he's going to do multiple World Cups for us. So we're going to bring him now. He never really kicked on. Use your both spots on because I remember thinking at the time, bloody hell, we've got Theo yeah. Walcott. Actually, Theo Walcott on the team and playing. It was like- and at the time, he added so much need of pace to a yeah. really slow attack and you were thinking, this is it. And He actually starts the season quite well, if you, if you remember this he year. Did, yeah. He starts mm. the season quite well and you're thinking, you know, him and Richarlison on either flank, we've got something here. And I think... I mean, I remember seeing a lot of Arsenal fans on Twitter saying, oh yeah, but you'll soon, you'll soon see the real Theo Walcott or the Theo Walcott we've had to watch over the last number of years and slowly but surely he fell into that mm. that kind of bracket. And if I'm being honest, he's never really recovered his form. He'd done okay on Saturday. It was, it was a good finish, but he'd done his best. And, you know, it was another heavy first touch in front of goal, which he got away with. But I, I just don't see him being at the club next year. I don't think... I just don't think the money he's on, because obviously there's, there's, you see the figures that he's a allegedly on I just don't think that fits into the, the brand certainly maybe not Marco Silva as much but certainly the way the Marcel brand seems to want to take the club and his model which he wants to work in I don't see that working and I think they'll, they will try and offload him in the summer if, if they can but again I think that could be harder said than done because I think we've seen it a lot now I mean, with a lot of the players we've got like Sandro and people like that you bring them in on big money you put them on big contracts 18 months down the line it's not working it's not as easy as just going hey, it's best of luck shake hands because then players saying well this is what I'm on this is what I want mm. other clubs have seen how, how poor or you know how ineffective they've been and, and not wanting to go nowhere near that that type of figure so it'll be interesting to see what Walcott wants to do if he wants to carry on because he's 30 now isn't he so if he wants to carry on playing football does he accept a wage cut and go and play elsewhere or what so from a, a playing perspective, I don't think he'll be at the club. Or they won't want him at the club next year, but getting rid of him could be harder said than done. I mean, a scenario, John, if we get in the Europa League, we're mm. going to be playing, we're going to be effectively in four four major competitions. So would he not be you know, useful for you know the, the squad at least, squad depth you know, in the Europa League? I'd have to agree with Conor. No, not really, because I'd want the best rather than bodies and again I think Theo Walcott I think what he does on social media comes across as a stand up guy but much like Cheng Tosin 
he ain't good enough. And I think when he come in, I think let's be honest, when Sam Adams is, if if you I don't know if you'd have brought Derek Temple back and put a kit on him, <laughs> I think everyone he would have said thank you know at least that's something. And I think as the sides evolved and grew, he hasn't. I think as Richarlison, you know, let's Richarlison's been really good. He's been maligned and Bernard's growing into Sigurdsson starting to look like the player. There seems to be the balance of Gomez and, and Garnagate. The back four's looking like settled Keane, proper unsung hero. I don't think Walcott's evolved in that same way. I think he is fancy himself a number nine. I think he's always fancied himself a number nine. For me, no. So I, I would rather, again, if we can, I mean, I think the ideal scenario for him, I'm hoping China might come in with a big money offer. Does he hold enough swears of play? It's not out the question, is it? Do you know it? what I mean? I think he's got enough about him. I think he's he's got enough, like, you know, about his profile that maybe a Chinese club might want to take him for a, big transfer fee and not much money I think I think Evan will be happy with that because I think it's about him going off the wage bill but again I, I don't think they'll want him I have to agree with it I don't think they'll want him at the club but you know let's watch this space William Connor, just a special mention of him for the atmosphere on Sunday, which is, you know, it's obviously, it helps, doesn't it, when you're winning games, but, you know, the siren and the, the flags and stuff like that, it's it's helped, doesn't it? Yeah, it proves that the club trying, doesn't it? You know, I think we'd all be lying if we haven't said that we haven't slagged the club off, you know, in time. We all we all have digs, don't we? We all have moments, we all have our groans about the club and the way things happen, but... I think one thing you can't knock the club for is trying to improve atmosphere and listening to fans' feedback and, mm. and trying to make things happen to improve the atmosphere because the atmosphere did go a little bit wayward. If, if we're being honest this season, there's, there's been times where you probably hear more people talking to the mate next to them or just having a general chit-chat and, than singing. And there's been games where people seem more interested in standing downstairs having a pint than they, they do actually watching the game and the club worked hard to rectify, to rectify that and... I think ultimately, though, it just helps us when you're in football matches yeah. because the pro- the product on the pitch takes away everything, doesn't it? I mean, you look at, for instance, Manchester United. They're they're a club who have been in turmoil for years, but they, they were never in turmoil when Ferguson was there because the product was so strong on the pitch that people weren't interested if they was upheaval at boardroom level or you know the club had took more money out of the bank on a bank loan or the shares price this dropped and no one cared because United were successful winning trophies now the product's not that good on the pitch they're not as successful people are now taking an interest in the fact that the Glazers keep loaning more money and etc etc I think ultimately for Everton the best thing that's happened is they've got over that sort of big six stick a little bit in that we hadn't beat the top six sides since Koeman's first season when we beat Manchester City you know, we've we've caught we built on the the momentum. Be honest, built from the momentum that we picked up against Liverpool in the nil nil draw, when the atmosphere was back to its best. We showed a little bit of proper evidence in some respects. We grinded out a result, backed the wall, defended well. And we we really built on that now since, and hopefully, you know the Burnley game will have a similar atmosphere on the Friday night, and we can finish the season strongly under lights of Goodison. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The view from the Gladys Street podcast. Um, Zach, just just moving away slightly then from the United game. Um, four players, I believe, that face Everton with a bit of a conundrum. You got Guy Zuma, um, Gomez, and Snadlin. Um, obviously, two of those Zuma and uh, Gomez aren't permanent. Guy, you know, there's a likelihood that he's going to leave. So, what what do what do Brandon Silver need to do now? Do, do they need to just say to Guy? 
you stay in uh, do what they did in January and just say you stay in I know that's going to be very hard but you know again I, I love my scenarios sometimes if if we can only sign one player Zuma or Gomez who, who would you who would you have out of, out of those it, it's a difficult one not just because both of them are very good in their own right um, those are the two positions that I look at next season and those are the two positions I'm most worried about. If we don't get Gomez, if we don't get Zuma, we're left with as as a as a ball playing midfielder, someone who's going to spread the playing braids up. The only player that fits that mould when Gomez leaves is Tom Davis, and for me, he's not good enough. And if Zuma leaves, if Jagielka does leave or retire, we've got Holgate, Mina, and Keane as our only three centre halves. Um, Zuma, yeah, Z- Zuma and Gomez for me. I wouldn't be too disappointed if we if we didn't sign anyone else in the summer if we got both of those two. Um, I think tying them both down to permanent deals would be as good as going signing a a thirty forty million pound striker or another winger or we we've got covering pretty much every other position. Those are the two that that do really worry me, and and that's probably why I'd look to keep Jagielka on as well just f- for that cover next season. Um, we just look really, really light at centre-back if we don't get Zuma. Um, Mina, as much as I think he's a, a, a good player on his day and he looks, he, he'll throw himself into anything and he looks like he could win you a match, are you going to get more than 15 or 20 games out of him? That's what you've got to consider. Mm-hmm. And if we're in the Europa League, if we go far in the cup competitions and we're playing upwards of 50, 55 games and you can only get Mina for maybe 20 of them, you don't want Jagielka or Holgate playing 35 games a season at centre-half. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for me, you've got to try and get them both. I, I couldn't pick one. You've, you've just got to try and just do everything you can and say, right, if we're going to spend everything on these two, then it's got to be done. I mean, John, do you agree with that? Would you be happy with just a you know, transfer window of Zuma and um, Gomez? I mean, just just... Last week, I I basically said if we could only get one, it would be Gomez, and I don't I wouldn't mind if Zuma. We mm. we didn't get Zuma one because of the transfer ban. It's, it might be yeah. unlikely that we don't get him. But I mean, after after um, Sunday, Gomez didn't play. Snardlin mm. seemed to fit in perfectly, and that partnership between Zuma and Keane is just yeah. just flourished, hasn't it? It has, it has, and Zuma, you know, has continued to prove people wrong. He's starting to look like him and Keane. They're starting to look like a pair. What I'd warn people about uh, I've said before and I'll say again Schneidlin's got all the talents in the world his attitude is not right mm. Schneidlin has form for suddenly coming in and playing the odd good game there's a little thing called the transfer window around the corner and I wonder in a battle when your back's against the wall when you're going to have the, the gaze of the world the zoomers of the world is Schneidlin going to be there so I still think for me Gomez is a real priority I mean, I'm greedy. I want the striker to come in as well. But I think Gomez, and, and you know what? I would have gone with Gomez rather than Zuma. But after Sunday, I just think Zuma's a permanent fixture. Mm. I really do. And I, I just, I couldn't really imagine Evans back four without him. He, you know, I think even the relationship he's building up with the fullbacks, you know, I think I think Coleman's gone well under the radar, how he's slowly but surely improved. Is that because he's got a settled winger in front of him or is it because he's got two settled centre defenders next to him? So it goes back to that thing. Everything's knitting together and you really don't want to upset the apple cart. But would I rely on Morgan Schneider as that ball player midfielder? Ability? Yeah. Attitude? Never. 
I just think he's going to let us, I think he will let us down. Yeah. I mean, part of that conundrum, as we mentioned, is a Jessica guy. You know, I mentioned potentially could leave, but I, I just felt on, on Sunday when he went off, I mean, we were 4-0 up, don't get me wrong, so, but, you know, you know, the game's never won unless the final was gone with Everton, isn't it, do you know what I mean? I, ju- I just felt we looked a bit <laughs> Did rough. Did you honestly believe? <laughs> <laughs> I, a bit of a like, oh, I know, I know. Nail bite here. <laughs> um, We're an Everton way to look at things. No, it is an Everton way, I'm an Everton fan, do you know what I mean? I, I, I just felt when a just a guy went off, I think we, we looked, lost a little bit. Yeah, I mean, understandable, James McCarthy coming back, he's probably a bit nervous, I'm not, I'm not, like blaming him or trying to target him whatsoever but if he if guy's not there next season it's a massive a yeah, massive I loss. think we could be saved when it comes to Drissa Garner guy certainly for the PSG link by Ander Herrera because it looks that he's going to go to so PSG you prefer him as a cheaper option well he comes on a free doesn't he okay. so yeah, he's out of contract he's out of yeah. contract so he, he, he can go on a free so I think we might be saved potentially because the thing with Adrissa Garnagay he's only ever really been linked to PSG hasn't he mm. no because you look at the, around the Premier League the type of midfielder he is City have got Fernandinho Chelsea have got Kante and Jorginho obviously so he's never really been linked anywhere else Barcelona have got Busquets um, do you think United might fancy him potentially yeah but I think we us and United could be playing the same competition next year so it might be that much of a step up yeah you yeah. know the wages uh, well, would be though the way United could potentially yeah him. but I think you look at it he said about Champions League didn't he and stuff like that so if he's going to go to United he could be waiting just as long as going to the Champions League as he does with Everton because if they don't get in this year you do find it hard to believe a how how are we going to how are they going to bridge the gap as much well, as arguably as much as anyone else? Job than us, aren't they? Yeah, because they're all over the shop. That back four, you know, God knows what that was all about. And I mean, yeah, I think I mean I read a little bit of Solskjaer's comments before the event game in his from his press briefing, and he was kind of hinting that they were going to pull back on the big wages superstar style model because I think basically what he was saying was it's not worked. <laughs> yeah. We've done it the last five years, and what we've ended up with is basically. A lot of overplayed players who are who don't really care, you know. I Paul Pogba, Alexis Sanchez, so uh, Lukaku, yeah. uh, Lukaku as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah but thanks. ninety million. It, it's so I think in terms of the wages, I, I agree what Zach says there about wages, but I don't know whether you're nice to be that keen on throwing big money at like a dresser guy and a guy from Everton because you might think, well, is it worth? It? And I think the Herrera thing could save us with PSG. I, I think for me personally, with both of them. It would be refreshing for us to see to, for us to go and get both of them and change the mindset and the logic of. I mean, you said they're both. It's not over till the whistle goes, <laughs> which is that, understandable. That, by that, the way. That, it is understandable. And <laughs> I'm not wrong. I, I get it. I get it. It's the same with players because yeah. we're sitting there now thinking instead of sitting there like you know some clubs, fans of clubs, are saying, "Well, we should go and get both of them." No matter, you know, we should go and get both of them and look to build. We sit there going, "Yeah, but which one do you want?" Because we're only going to get one of the two if we do. I think for, it'd be refreshing as an Evertonian mm. to see us go and get both and say, no, we're not settling for what we, we're going to build with them, potentially bring a forward in, maybe yeah. bring one or two other bodies in because, you know, if Walcott leaves, I think Luckman could leave. That leaves your light on the flanks mm. in terms of... There's just so much potential, isn't there, there in that team yeah. if we kicked on and for you, next season. You don't want to get to the point in the summer where, I think Zach said, you're left with... Jackie Elka potentially getting another one year because we've got nowhere else to yeah. turn. Yeni Mina, who's injury prone, Michael Keane and Mason Holgate. Then you, you look on at the midfield that because that's no risk of going again, no, no Gomez, and you're thinking, well, yeah. we're just back at square one here, yeah. you know, we're back to where we started. We've, we've got to, we, we're, we're putting building blocks in now, but we've got to build on them blocks yeah. and, and not sort of 
take them away and start again. And that's why I think for me, it'd just be refreshed if we went after both of them and got both of them over the line, early doors, yeah, doubt, yeah. and, and showed a real statement of intent and not sat there going. I mean, I personally that Marcel Brandes working behind the scenes now and bringing both of them in. No, wait until the end of the season. I think he's a man with a plan. I don't think, whereas I look at Koeman's pre season, I think we had what was it, two games, and one of them was against Lego FC. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, give us a game. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, to be fair, they, they pushed us to the limit, but you know, whereas I don't, I think every single detail is meticulously planned. Mm. And curiously, did anyone see uh, Tim Cale? His comments about Diego Costa. Yeah, yeah. And now I, I straight exactly straight away. <laughs> I, I did exactly the same thing and I scolded myself and we're like, Phew. and he said, well, why? Why not? And I think that's the almost like that Everton mentality. It was like certain fans are said, well, why don't we? Whereas Everton are a lot more conservative. Now we'll never get him. We'll never get him. And I think that we've that's been a kind of ethos that's been in sense of them for a long mm-hmm. time and I think it's something Silver and certainly Brands is trying to change I got yeah. laughed after mentioning or suggesting we should get someone of Antoine Griezmann's ilk I mean I'm not saying him but should, you know no, to be fair what we should I don't know whether we, Thanks, we, should, we should be getting someone <laughs> I mean to me if you're going to play in the Europa League plan for Champions League you know, but it, you know why not aim a little bit higher why not aim to try and get in the top four if you get in the top six you know, I think if you have that philosophy, and I think that's probably why Kale was so successful on the pitch, because I don't believe Tim Kale ever went on a pitch and thought anyone was better than him. And you look at his goals against the so-called top four clubs, and he scored on every single ground. You know, he wasn't bothered by oh, what he cost fifty million. And I think that kind of ethos is is why can't we make Richarlison a world-class player? Bernard's got everything about him. Sigurdsson on his day, we said what he can do. Gomez, I think we have to try and. Build slowly, but let's build ambitious. Mm. You know, don't just do reason that you know you're totally right. Kind of, let's go and get both. Let's go and get the deals done early. And and if not, let's make sure we work as hard as possible to get the deal over. And let's not go for one. Let's go for two. Let's get them in and say we're interested in more. So yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because you, you look at like, I think too many times on the David Moyes and Moyes era, Moyes was building something, and you know, people people obviously got their opinions on David Moyes now, and. You know, some some might be right, some might be wrong, but you can't deny that some of them teams he produced for Everton over in his in a spell were, were brilliant. And you know, some of the football they, yeah. they played, you know, we all look back, don't we? The PNR Baines combination down the left. It was last season, I mean, you, was, you know, you know we, we had some real real talented players, yeah. but on, on too many occasions, you felt like the rug was pulled from underneath them mm. because he get people in, he build. You think we're finally getting somewhere, and then along come some one of the big six on souls, you know, Arteta. You know, even back far as Rooney, he, too many times the, the, our big name players, Jack Roswell, who you know at the time was tipped to have a real, a real goal under David Moyes at Everton. He was sold to Manchester City. Lescott, you know, the, the the list is endless, isn't it? Yeah. Where you kind of felt the the PNR, you know, going to Spurs yeah. because the club meters as wage demands. It's it kind of felt like the rug was pulled from from underneath him, and he had to start again. And to his credit, he often did start again and, and regroup. What I'd like to see with Silver is the rug doesn't get pulled from under him and now he gets the support and the back and that he needs because it's pointless him working hard and building teams if we're just going to go, oh, so-and-so's coming from and we're going to accept it. You, you, you've, got to give them every, you've got to give him every chance he can to succeed. And for me, that's why you've got to back him and support him. And if he wants both players, go and get both players if that's what he wants. I mean, Zach, I, I couldn't agree more with what Connor just said there, but just to touch on that, if things don't go the way we want him to in terms of say a Drissagana guy and he does leave surely you know we can demand 
a, you know, a substantial fee for him. What was it, 25 million, 26 million from PSG in January? You know, for me, that price tag has gone up. I mean, I, I wanted in January 35, 40 million. So, you know, surely that's what we would be demanding from any top, top club in Europe for, for him. Yeah, I think with Gaze, he's tied down to quite a long contract still. I think he's still got. Th- Three and he'd only just years. signed in the past 12 months 18 yeah, months yeah, so it's just three and a half four years left we should be looking to at the end of the day we don't want him to leave we're a club who don't want our player to leave mm. so we're in very much the same kind of boat as like Palace are with Zaha at the minute Zaha's probably worth 35-40 million at a push you know what I mean he's, he's not worth any more than that they've come out and said 80 million they're like if you want him pay 80 million yeah. quid and if he says I want to leave they just go right well it's going to be 80 million quid mm. With Gay, I think the only club that we could potentially take a bit less from would be PSG because we know how much he has his heart set on a move. Do you spite one of your best players and say, no, we're going to set an unreasonable you know, fee that we're asking for? But I still think, because if we were to bring in a replacement, the only player that springs to mind who's very similar in the mould to Gay for me is Ndidi from Leicester. And if you were to buy him, you're going to be looking at 40, 50 million. And I know he's a bit younger than Gay, but if you're going to sell a player and you want to bring in a replacement for 40, 50 million quid, you've got to be asking 40, 50 million quid for your player Mm. because you don't want to sell him for 25, have to then fork out an extra 25 for someone like Indeedy and then him not settle or, you know, you can never, you can never guarantee somebody is going to be as good or better than what you've already got because you know what you've got. You don't know what, you might it. have. Yeah, exactly. Well, just that was my issue with, and I've had heated debates with people in this office on countless occasions with selling Lukaku at the time. Okay, we got 90 million for him. Okay, in hindsight, we know it's been wasted, but who were we going to get for for 90 million or less? And well, I think, out- I think the difference with that was though was that the club believed he had someone, didn't he? But the, even, the, Giroud. the club believed he had a, but from what from what you read, yeah. the club believed he had Olivier Giroud yeah, and, he, he, and he was ninety five percent over the line. Even he's not uh, an adequate replacement. No, I no, he's think. not. He, he's not. But what I'm saying is, the club believed they had someone lined up for it, the right price, the right wages. Uh, it goes back to we put all our eggs in the Olivier yeah. Giroud basket, yeah. and in the last last minute he said, "Oh no, my missus doesn't want to leave London now, and I'm going to stay with her," yeah. and the whole thing collapsed basically because mm. we put all our eggs in and. I just think with with that it, it, it's what Zach says there is spot on because I know to, is it Corey Watford's being being Muslasny's yeah. is a potential sort of address to game replacement going in a different way, but we you know if we go to Watford and say we want to sign one of your best players, they're not going to say oh yeah how much did you get for this going to get twenty five million oh yeah that'll do yeah. they're going to say hundred million or something yeah. ridiculous because we're not exactly on best terms with them anyway no, you no. know so they're not going to sort of become your best mate and go oh well, yeah we'll just settle for 25 million so you know imagine if it's it's you've got to go like for like like Zach said you've got to go like for like and that's where I think we fell short in the past as well as we've never gone like for like we've kind of sold some of our better players for a lot less than probably what they're worth yeah because we just thought well we'll get the deals done and we'll get the we'll get the revenue in well it only it's like a house isn't it like you know if you sell something for a lot of money it only pushes up the, the mm. market to, to buy effectively, do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, John, just just moving on then for Everton now, seemingly in pole position for the Open League, as Connor mentioned there, we know Watford and, and Wolves have got a game in hand, but we are seventh now. Yeah. Um, we, we had a bit of a discussion and debate last week on whether, obviously after the Fulham defeat, yeah. whether Everton players actually wanted to 
playing the Europa League next mm. season. I think there's no question about that now. You know, they went out against United and, you know, beat them. And now, again, mentioned pole position for the league. Yeah. So do you think every chance now of qualifying for that you know obviously I know um, City have got to win the FA Cup haven't they for that to happen yeah so. yeah of course but yeah I think there's think there's every chance you know I think Watford will drop points I, I, the only two sides I can see maybe I hope I'm wrong with one of them a, a winning all the games would be City and Liverpool I, I really can see that happening the rest I think will drop points I, I don't think any Everton player doesn't want to get Europe I, I generally think as I said before it's a confidence thing I think it was something again Massively grateful to David Moyes. I think, I think he perpetuated a myth of being one. You know, not so much a myth, but I think he perpetuated that ethos of being an underdog. And I think when he suddenly realised, I think Everton fans were like, "Well, come on, we need to get back to where we were in the eighties and what have you." I don't think he quite knew how to kick us on. And I think if you look at play Liverpool, oh, don't know about that. Chelsea, I'm not sure about that. Arsenal, well, maybe United might get something out of that. Fulham, we'll murder Fulham. Hmm. Only one we lost was Fulham. You know, it's almost like when Everton's backward against the wall, no one's expecting us to do anything. We come out and, and get that reaction. So, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I think every Everton player wants to qualify. Through. I think, you know, I think we are in pro position. I think it's the old adage, isn't it? You'd rather have the points in the bag than the games in hand. You know, yeah. but, I mean, Palace, I think, and you know, in a lot of ways, I'm actually pleased with playing Palace away. I think Palace are... At home or Palace when Palace are on the travels as proved against Arsenal I think they're a better team I think you can get at them when, but that's that's a tough game we need to approach that we need to I don't know whether they're going to get the sirens in the dressing room and their cars in their ears but they, we need to approach that like we've approached we can't approach anything other than how we approached against United I mean Zach the on, on paper, the fixtures, you would expect Everton to get a substantial amount of points. Obviously, I know John's just mentioned there, Palace are a decent team, but you would we, we would say we are better. Then we've got um, Burnley at home. And then even then, if Tottenham are also top six side, but if they're in the Champions League final, they're not going to want, want to uh, you know, play their best players. So three fixtures left, you know, surely we can we can do it. Yeah, we, we need to be looking at targeting six points. The Spurs one is is a weird one because like you said, if if they're already guaranteed top four if they're in the Champions League final. They might take the foot off the gas, but at the same time, they're still going to want momentum going forward if they are getting into into the final. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think six points will get us seventh, definitely. And I, th- I think that's what we should be looking at saying, right, if we, can, if we can win the next two, we should be putting ourselves well in the driving seat for seventh. But... I know we were saying earlier about seventh. I can see it that we're gonna we're gonna really go for it, get seventh place, and then Watford are gonna go and win the FA Cup, and we're gonna end up not in Europe anyway. But you've got to try your hardest because at the end of the day, Everton should be in Europe. We should have those those nights were under the lights at, at Goodison. We we can beat anybody, and you throw back to teams like even Werder Bremen a couple of years ago. We went on to be a very successful team in Europe and the league, and we absolutely tore them. Just tore them apart. When one good when Goodison's under the lights, the crowd are up. Especially now, if the sirens are going, it'll be a, it'll be an intimidating place for anyone to come. And those are the nights that if you're going to bring the big players to the club, you you need to be giving them those nights and saying, "Listen, this is where we are. This is what we're going to be doing, and we're going to be challenging for things." That that's the main the main aim of it all. Connor, evil scenario question coming up for you here. Last game of the season. And Liverpool play Wolves. Mm. Obviously, we we play Spurs. Would you take Wolves beating Liverpool and Liverpool not winning the league, and us not if it meant we didn't qualify for the Europa League? 
You're going on Connor, what do you think? So Wolves beat Liverpool. this actually. Wolves beat Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool don't win the league. That is evil, that ain't. Oh, you pulled that one out. But it means if the Wolves win, doesn't mean we qualify for the Europa League. Well, I mean, I personally think I agree with Zach. We should be going all out for seventh. Um, like a politician, any? But when, <laughs> but when you put when you put that conundrum in front of someone, I think. Oh, uh, that, I know that was a that was unfair. That I'm I, sorry. I think, I think I think we'd all. I think we've been honest. If we're all being honest, we'd accept a Wolves win, wouldn't we? <laughs> we think seventh. Think but, I would. We're all being honest. I would. There's always next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to play Thursday Sunday anyway. You know, say, it's yeah. all, all races, isn't it? Yeah, you know? not, another season. Everyone knows it's a case. Another bit of development. Everyone knows it's a Thursday yeah. Sunday case. Yeah. So you know why be a part of it when you could you know very well put. stay on the sidelines um, alright then we'll finish off just a, a quick Crystal Palace preview we'll have a couple of podcasts shows this week which will preview a bit more in depth but um, John we'll just go around the table are we expecting a win then against Palace yeah I'm good you know what I I'm, I'm think we're going to yeah I think we'll do it I'm going to go 3-1 uh, yeah it's not going to be a, a disastrous Craven Cottage Fulham type trip no I, I think I think maybe a few lessons have been learned there and I, I, I think if you look at Jaggy Elka, I think it was sentiments, heart, rule and head. That's not going to happen again. You know, that kind of thing. I think the team are at it. I think Calvert-Lewin, I think he's making an excellent bully. I think he'll do that to the centre. I think he'll look to do that. And let's be honest, Palace will come out and play. I think they'll leave gaps was at the back. Palace will come out and have a go. They'll be thinking they can get something from us. We just need to show our, our front four are better than theirs. Zach? Um, yeah, I think we should, we should be coming away with a, a win realistically. I don't think it will be as as one-sided as the performance of the weekend suggests, you know, suggests we should be able to just walk through Palace. That won't be the case. Um, what I was pleased to see was Ben Teke scoring at the weekend because we, we're renowned for being bad against players who were out of form. So I'm glad to see he's hit a bit of form because that means that he won't be the, uh, <laughs> the usual jinx. Yeah. I remember I remember John Stead had gone two years without a goal and got a brace at Goodison. Um so that's good to see. I think I think we should be beating Palace. Um, hopefully another clean sheet, but I could see it being a lot tighter. Maybe being one nil. It'll be a, it'll be a tight one. I feel. Yeah, so I, think, trip, I, I think it'll be tight two one. Um, which when you consider I sat in this room a couple of weeks ago and was saying we we're going to convincingly we'll, we'll batter Fulham four or five nil. <laughs> I got into harsh lesson. So yeah, I think I think we'll get over the line. I think we'll get we'll claim a two one two one minute but it will be a hard game because any team who seems to be managed by Rick Hudson apart from Liverpool uh, just always seems to be well up for it when they play Everton for some reason mm. we've had some really hard battles over the years in, in Hudson's side so Saturday will be no different OK alright lads uh, thank you for coming in much appreciated John thank you Zach no thank you thank and you Connor thank you um, for the listeners out there much appreciated for listening um, again please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and if you agree or disagree with anything we've said on the show today get in touch on Twitter and let us know um, we will be back with the View from the Guy Street podcast next week to discuss hopefully an Everton win against the Crystal Palace you've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo